Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And God gave the Apostle Paul a message to give the Colossians. And not only them, but us. It's a warning. God's warning us to beware, be on guard, guard your mind. And don't believe everything you hear because false teachers will come and tell you things that aren't true. And most of these people think that they're doing good. They believe the lie themselves, so now they teach it to others thinking it's the truth. And these worldly philosophies pervade our elementary schools, our high schools, our colleges, even some of our churches. And unfortunately, it's often what we teach our children here in America, and we've been doing it for a few generations now. And the Apostle warns, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. The Bible in the Pew's ESV, it says, Beware, lest anyone take it captive. And it happened to me. I was born again, age 13, but then in high school and college, I was fed a lot of things that weren't true by elders and authority that I looked up to, honored men and women. And not everything they told me was wrong. They could te teach me mathematics and English grammar, but where the topic touched on spiritual things, they led me astray. Not all of them, but many of them. And I received the false doctrine, and so I was led away captive after that tradition of men. And I'm not proud of that, and I might be ashamed, except that now that God's delivered me, I'm well qualified to minister to others. So I'm not going to hide it. I'll preach it far and wide, just as the Apostle Paul didn't hide his former life as a zealot and even a terrorist persecuting the church. I was spoiled through vain deceit. So you don't have to be, and it doesn't have to happen to your children and your grandchildren. Let me explain what it is. I was born again at a young age. Later on, as a young man, I started to receive false teaching. And I, I didn't lose my salvation. I was spoiled. In other words, the devil was trying to ruin my life as a Christian. He didn't want me to have peace or joy. He didn't want me to be victorious over sin or seek first God's kingdom. The devil didn't want me to be holy, a vessel of honor fit for the master's use. He wanted to damage my testimony, ruin my witness. And he wanted to try to make it impossible for me to lead anyone to Christ. And I was a Christian. I'd really been born again. And yet the devil was largely successful in his attack. And this is a warning in Scripture. We need to know this can happen. It does happen. And that's why the Apostle warns Christians. Look at the context of the passage. He's addressing the saints. So this is a warning we need to hear. And I know from the Scriptures and also because it happened to me. I was led astray. And there's false teachers out there. There will be until Christ returns. But for a minute, let's just look briefly at the historical backdrop of Paul's letters to the Colossians. Or this particular passage, I mean. The, the worldly teaching in that day included Greek philosophy. There was Gnosticism and other mystery religions. There was Jewish mysticism. And a lot of things that they taught people 
we'd call it bizarre and we'd wonder how so many people could be led astray by such nonsense. But the people often had received it simply because they'd heard it repeated so many times. And what do we teach our children in America? In most of the schools. Our schools teach them that they're just animals. They're only half-evolved monkeys. And that's bizarre. If someone doesn't think it's bizarre, it's probably because they heard it so many times. I mean, to call someone an animal used to be an insult. Or to call someone a brute beast. But not anymore, I guess, because the typical American thinks he's only an animal. He's no better than the animal. And how is he going to act then if that's his philosophy of life? Will his behavior be brutish? If he thinks he's an animal, will he act like one? Even in the universities, you'll see college professors and they observe the behavior of animals and use that to justify immorality, things that the, that the Bible says are wrong. And their logic is, well, an animal does it and therefore I can too. And that's only their first attack on morality. It gets worse from there. They say there's no free will. They have a materialist explanation for everything. They don't believe in soul or spirit, anything immaterial. So they say, therefore, and teach that all human behavior is a result of chemical reactions in the brain. So free will, according to them, free will is an illusion. Professor Richard Dawkins wrote a book entitled The Selfish Gene, and here, here's a brief quote. We are survival machines, robot vehicles, blindly programmed to preserve the selfish molecule known as genes. So what's a human being and, and what are you? According to Professor Dawkins, you're just a robot vehicle. And he thinks that evolution has, has designed you to continue on your gene. So it's a fight for survival. And if you're a robot, how can there be free will? And there can't be. At least not according to someone like that. So if someone believes this, if they, someone believes that all their thoughts, feelings, behavior are just chemical reactions in their brain, how will they behave? And if someone just believes that the only thing real is material, how will they live? And we see warning after warning in the scriptures not to focus on material rather than God. And philosophy matters. Your worldview matters. And if you follow this worldview, this philosophy, to the end, it gets really dark. And there's a lot of prophecies in the Bible about how men and women will behave in the last days and, and approaching the return of Christ. One example, I'll just read one. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 1. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady-minded, 
high-minded. Lovers of pleasure is more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And God will allow this dark age to come so that the relatively small number of saints will shine the, shine the brightest. And you hardly notice a candle flame till the sun goes down and you turn out the electric lights and then suddenly everyone is attracted to that candle. You might even gather around that one candle. One of our candles isn't doing very well. Is that a warning for us today? So as this dark age comes, and actually it gets darker and darker, as, as the world, as we know it, is drawing to a close, if you shine with the light of Jesus, people will be drawn to you. And you might not feel worthy. You might say, oh, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm small. I'm just a little candle. Really, if you think about it, you're the only light that this world has. Basically, because how many times do lost people approach God in prayer? How often do they open the Bible? So if we hide our light under a basket, how will there be any hope for our neighbors that don't know Christ? And you know, I allowed myself to be taken captive. And back then I didn't have much of a witness. And my own personal life suffered. This is how Christians in America have caused most of our own problems. But I came back to Christ and I can tell others how to do it. To come back, you need the basics of the Christian faith. And a lot of people trying to come back, they fight against that. They want lofty things and high things. And they say, that's only the milk. I want the meat. And some of them change strange, lofty doctrines and mysteries. And those worldly teachings that they made part of themselves and b believed claim to be lofty. Really, it's, it's rudimentary. Paul, in this passage here, a scripture passage today, if you look at verse 8, he calls it the rudiments of the world. The Greek word is stoikia, and Bruce writes, the noun stoikia means primarily things placed side by side in a row. It's used of the letters of the alphabet, the ABCs. And then, since learning one's ABCs is the first lesson in any literary ed education, it comes to mean rudiments or first principles. So people think they're wise, and to God it's just... Those little building blocks we gave our kids that say ABC on them. And they're really going nowhere. And to come back to Christ, you need the fundamentals of the faith. Look at verse 6. As he therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. A young person can receive Christ. It's not complicated. It's a simple gospel message. And as you've learned the simple faith, so walk in him. Then verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And the Apostle Paul here 
uses the illustration of a tree because he's talking about being rooted in Christ. And any tree starts with a seed. And there's two kinds of seeds in the Bible. There's God's seed, there's a devil's seed, which is a lie. And isn't that how all sin entered the world with the devil lied in the garden? And today, if someone receives this bad seed, it can grow. And behind my house, there's really tall pine trees, and I actually helped plant those. I was only about three years old. I don't remember exactly, but I was a toddler. And I helped plant them. At least my dad let me think that I was helping. I was small, even small for a toddler. So you know when you lift up the wire handle on a bucket, it goes up. So I think I was standing like this to get that bucket off the ground. And uh, my dad would put it in the ground. And I'd help stamp it down. But, but think about it for a moment. It, we planted these trees as seedlings. So a tree starts off small with small roots. So back then, even as a toddler, I could have pulled one of those out. Well, what about now? I don't know exactly how tall they are. I would guess 60 feet or more. Am I going to pull it out now by, by just my own physical strength? Or, or is that impossible? Is no one that strong? So here's, here's the thing about receiving false doctrine. It can grow. So the earlier you pull it out, the better. And, and if you don't, if you walk in it the way that I did, it, I think it can get to the point where it's difficult or even impossible. These philosophies, these worldviews become part of our lives. How do we change what we are? So let's look at verse 10. It says, You're complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So this is something not everyone understands. Let's go into a little bit. In the Old Testament, there was a circumcision of the flesh, and of course that was only for the males. Under the New Covenant, the circumcision for all the saints, but it's a spiritual circumcision. Paul says the circumcision made without hands. So the Old Testament had surgery for the flesh, and in the New Covenant, there's a spiritual surgery. So what's all this mean? Do, do you know that thing in your life that seems huge, you've been trying to get rid of it, and you couldn't, and willpower wasn't enough, and religion and self-help wasn't enough, and maybe even gave all your money to doctors or experts, and the sin of that problem remains, because it put deep roots into your soul. It even seemed to grow into a monster so big, you couldn't get rid of it. Well, the good news is that the great physician can perform this spiritual surgery, if you ask him. It's a circumcision made without hands, and what's impossible for you to do, it's the easiest thing in the world. If you pray to God, he'll take that out of your life. And in Paul's day, one of the reasons he mentions this is that there were false teachers saying that people had to be, even in Paul's day, under the new covenant, they said they had to, to be physically circumcised, the way of the old tradition. And Paul says that isn't true, and he goes into it. 
He, he says, if you're looking for a ritual or observance today, we have water baptism. So in verse 11, the circumcision made without hands and the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead. So those things can die with Christ. And symbolically, we die with Christ. We're buried in baptism. Then we rise up. We're risen with Christ. And we can leave those things behind. And primarily, I'm preaching to Christians like me, who are really born again, but then went back to the rudiments of the world, little ABCs, but even a tiny seed can grow. And if you pray, God, please take it away, you will. There's work to do. There's a work of faith now for us. And when God takes it away, then you stop listening to the false teachers. Don't listen to the atheist materialists. Don't listen to psychics or mediums, astrologers, yogis, witches. There's these false teachers and more, even right here in our small town. So don't just believe anything you hear. Compare it to the Bible first. If it contradicts God's word, don't receive it. You don't want that planted in you. But we're all imperfect people. What if you do? What if you do let the devil plant a seed? Well, don't give it a chance to grow. Go to God sooner rather than later. I mean, God knows our frame. He knows we're dust. He'll take that away. But, but here's, here's our work in faith. Instead of letting that bad seed grow in you, let God's word grow. That's what will keep you safe. Verse 6 says, As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you've been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So we need to be taught about Jesus and then continue walking in Him. And this is, this is our day-to-day -day faith. It's what we believe and what we do. I mean, too often the saints are, are trying to fight against behavior and, oh God, I'm sorry about what I did. Well, your behavior is an inevitable result of your faith, what you believe. So focus on the primary thing. And then the behavior follows that. So are you rooted and built up in God's word? I mean, do you just come here on Sunday to hear nice words to be encouraged? And we all need that. There's value in that. We need more than that. A tall tree, like I imagine those tall trees behind my house, they're way taller than the house. And they need deep roots. If they'd had just tiny little sickly shallow roots, it would fall over. And if somehow you propped it up through some edifice, still it wouldn't get enough water and nutrients from the ground. It would be a dead, propped-up tree. strong tree needs deep roots, and each Christian has to put deep roots down into the Bible. A, a tree uses its roots to get living water and daily food and anchors it to the ground. And then when a storm comes, the tree's able to stand. And there is a storm coming. The scripture tells us that. 
God tells us in the Bible it's coming soon. It won't be long. And there'll be many people out there looking for shelter. If you're a strong tree, they'll come running to you for shelter. And we can help them. We can do that. But it's not forever. It's a transition. They need their own faith. They need to come to Christ and be born again and put down their own roots. Or you can teach them to do what you've done. To become literate in the Bible. And it's not how much you read specifically, it's how much you believe. I mean, by necessity, I have to read something or hear it in order to believe it. But it's by, by choosing to believe God's word that I hear. That's why I'm putting down roots that can be stronger and stronger. So what's it mean? What's the good news today? How is this relevant? Do you want a better life? You can have one. Do you want to help friends, relatives, neighbors? You can. Do you want to be used by God to change the world one heart at a time? You can do that too. And may all the glory be to God through Jesus Christ. Amen.